podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 5 Fan Extra Podcast here at SLS Park Palace. I've lost 3-2 to Arsenal. This pod is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography for professional unique photography of weddings and more. Go to MirandaJanePhotography.co.uk and a Merry Christmas to Miranda Jane. I hope they had a lovely time, her and her family. And a Merry Christmas to you Palace fans as well. I hope you had a good time. Palace are back in action today and unfortunately lost 3-2. Joining me... Second or third time around this tree, I'm not sure. It's, it's Newcastle over again, isn't second it? Second time. Second time. It's Lucy White from Homestead Radio. Hello. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, good. good. And Skippy Windsor, you all right, mate? I'm very, very cold. <laughs> it's freezing. We're going to rattle through this as quick as possible. Not too much to talk about, really. I mean, Palace poor in the first half, better than the second. Late goal from Tompkins, actually 3-2. Did you think we are going to do it again, Skippy? It was... Uh, yeah, you were kind of hoping that Zaha was going to work his magic. It was going to be another West Ham late-minute late, late, late minute kind of equaliser. I mean, we had chances the second half. You know, the first half let us down. And to be fair, we were lucky only to go in 1-0 down. You know, Sproni made a decent save. But it was that, you know, we could have attacked them from the off. We could have... You know, that, that back line looked shaky every time they ran. Uh, you know, Townsend running at them, Zaha running at them, lots of sheep running at them sort of thing. But it, it, it took for us to go in at the break and probably Hodgson to G them up to kind of get any sort of response. Um, unlucky to kind of concede two in such a short space of time on the counter as well. Something that, you know, goals that we would expect us to score against the team, you know. Um, but yeah, it was spirited, you know. No one can't be too disappointed with how he played. At the end of the day, this is Arsenal, you know, forget what Lad Bible and Sport Bible say about them. They're still a top six side with world quality players on their sort of thing. Yeah, and it was a very different Arsenal than April, wasn't it, that came down. They were their first half they were good Lucy, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And you know, you kind of thought, oh here we go. It's when they scored it's it's you know same old, same old and but yeah, as Chris has said, it, they they're the top six sides, you know did we really expect to get anything from it? You know, was April a fluke? Did we, were we better than them the last time? Yeah, I think we were. But they're a different side. They're, they're much more solid. They're better quality. And, you know, I, I think a, a draw would have been fair today based on the second half performance. I but thought in the first half, I was, I was down the other end in the first half, at the home set, uh, White Horse Arsenal defended very well. Like everyone has a go at their back three and being dodgy. They defended very well. But what was wrong with Palace losing in that first half? They were lacking something, weren't they? Just a bit lacklustre. There seemed to be no um, team spirit. They just didn't seem like a unit. It was all individual players, and I, I can't quite work out what was wrong. Yeah. There was, but after after half time, there yeah. seemed to be a bit of a shift. And, you know, I, I, for me, I think Bakri Sacco, he was he the, one that, the, the main one that seemed like he just wanted everything. And, you know, he was unlucky to, uh, to not get anything. And, you know, I thought Andros was fantastic today as well. But. Bakri Sacco, it's like the third game in a row that we've talked about Bakri Sacco coming on. He does make a difference, doesn't he? It's an impetus, isn't it, sort of thing. Um, you look at that bench, and I feel sorry for Roy because it's a squad he's inherited. That he is, That is the only man that he can bring on to chase the game to try and come and get something sort of thing and I think Bakri realises that that 
actually, yeah, this is his chance. And, you know, he's unlucky not to start a couple of games. I thought he probably should have started at Swansea last week um, with Benteke out. Uh, you know, we lacked a focal point last week. And, yeah, he's just someone that wants the ball. You know, he's not the most gifted on the ball. He's not a Zaha or a Townsend sort of thing. But it's that kind of drive. It, it'll bounce off his knee, then bounce off three defenders' knee, and it'll still end up with his feet in the same way that Zaha does. He doesn't, it's not as graceful sort of thing, but it, somehow it works. Um, and, you know, even Allardyce was saying last year that when, you know, it was the transfer window about Bakary Sacco, and he said, you know, yeah, he's probably not in my first team plans, but this man wants to stay and fight for his place and help Palace stay up sort of thing. And when you're in a relegation fight, as we seem to have been in every blooming year, they're the sort of players, you know, you lean on. So, you know, he's not the most skillful, but seasons gone by, nor was Jedinak, you know, nor was Cameron Jerome, Shamak sort of thing. But they're players that gave their all, you know, that fighting spirit sort of thing. And I think that's what we lacked in the first half. The midfield had no bite. It was, you know, he's a super sub. And I noticed in the second half as well, people, the players have given him the ball. Like they weren't afraid to actually give him, even to feet. Yeah. Like he, he does offer something. Yeah, he does. And, you know, I think he had a bit of a tough time. But you've just got to look at how he was at Wolves. That was why we got him. You know, and I, I know that that was championship side. But you can see that glimmer of old Bakary from Wolves. And he obviously does want it. And, you know, I don't know if he maybe should be starting all the time. But uh, I, no, I agree with Chris that he maybe put it, should have started at Swansea. But yeah. he is the type of player that you want to bring on to gear up the players when you're you're wanting that winning goal. And you know, yeah, I think he he was good today. I, I actually think he's becoming a bit of a cult hero. Like I'm actually starting to really love Bakary Saka. I never thought I'd ever say that. Um, but talking of another striker, Benteke, another off day today. Skippy he, again. He just seems half a yard off the pace every time that ball goes around the box. Yes and no. I mean. I think for the first half, I think I counted, he lost one aerial duel and the amount of high balls we're playing in. And I can sense his frustration, you know, he's a target man, he wants to bring others into the game. Uh, and I don't know whether it's the formation, you know, where he thrived last time, he had punching close to him and two wings that he'd go either side. This time we're kind of playing two banks of four um, with no one really close to him. And you can see that throughout the game he's trying to drop deeper he's trying to take it on his chest at his feet sort of thing and actually he's, he's quite talented at that uh, and I, I wonder whether that kind of plays on his on his conscious that you know he's trying to get involved and perhaps help the team too much you know I think he starts the game with a clear plan you know Hodgson clearly says right you're going to be our focal point people get upset with him that he doesn't chase across a back three sort of thing he's, he's never done that in his career if we wanted someone to run around chasing a back three we'd have kept Fraser Campbell for that <laughs> But, you know, it's, um, I think he, as he goes looking for the ball, a bit like what the issue Rooney had a few, you know, this season, constantly trying to chase the ball, go deeper, go deeper, that suddenly when you hit on the counter with a Zaha or a Townsend, you know, he's 20 yards behind. Uh, I think he just needs to kind of trust his instinct, you know, stick to the positions he's in. You know, we, he's going to have to accept that actually, as a target man, it's not always going to come off. It's not the flick-ons aren't always going to work, but not to deviate from his position. I think that's the frustrating point. You know, you can sense that his effort. Well, I could sense his effort. You know, trying to drop back and get onto the game. He wants to influence it, but his role is as a striker. He needs to be in that 18-yard box every single time we put a ball in. Because you know, you saw. I think you know, if, if Tompkins didn't win that header, he was he was going to get it, sort of thing. And he does know the six-yard box, doesn't he, Luke? Do you get annoyed with him? He doesn't. I do. Close down I defenders? get frustrated with him. And I think I actually think his positioning is awful because I. Because if his positioning was on, he'd be getting the goals. Um, and we are giving him... There are a few chances happening yeah, for him. Yeah, and I, I just think that 
he obviously wants it. He obviously cares. He's very passionate, and you can see it on his face. He obviously loves being here, otherwise we wouldn't have spent the money that we did to, to get him. He was our man. He was the one we wanted. I just think something will give, and you, you can see that he's just like a few seconds too late for it. And I think if he just times it right in the coming games, we will see the Benteke that we know that he can be. But is it, unfair, is it unfair to suggest that maybe he doesn't work in our system or maybe it isn't going to work out from at Palace? Is that unfair? No, no, I don't think so because I think he does, he, he fits Palace, he fits Palace well, but he's coming back from, you know, different injuries. He'd missed a game through suspension. So it's just finding that, you know, little bit of magic and getting his rhythm. And, you know, we're, we are running out of time with the games, you know, it's nearly January, but, you know, we've got that all important end of the season run and I think we will see something. I think... A striker coming in will also give him that impetus. You saw it, you know, the back end of... Well, no, even under Pardew when he started playing Wickham or favouring Wickham off the bench and all of that, you suddenly saw Ben Tacker go and actually, you know, my place isn't isn't safe here sort of thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he is thinking, oh, I'm the only striker, they've got no option but to play me sort of thing. But, you know, we saw it the season before when we brought in Adebayor and then suddenly Wickham was getting a brace every single game. A bit of competition, that's all yeah, he needs, you know. And then suddenly you've got someone that perhaps can compliment him, that can read off him, play forward. You know, I, I still don't think Wilf is the answer. As a striker, you saw every all his influence was out wide, you know. As soon as he went wide, even within the first five minutes of the second half, went wide, goal. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bellerin had no chance against him all game, and I think Bellerin's a very good fullback. You know, he, you know, often probably relies on his pace, but he reads the game quite well. And he was turned inside out constantly. It's the I same th- old story, isn't it, of... Wilf needs to be on the wing. Why is Roy Not doing this? I don't know. It's so frustrating. Literally, every Palace fan you speak to, he's like, put Wilf on the wing. Reuben in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just so logical. And everybody says it, but Roy's like, um, I'm just going to put Wilf on the wing. And, Can you yeah. see any logic behind it? Does, any, does it make sense to you at all? I, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't no. think he. I don't think obviously Schlupp. Well, I don't think we have fullbacks that Roy wholeheartedly trusts. Right, okay. You know, he, he started with Van Arnholt. Van Arnholt got injured. He went to Schlupp, sort of thing. And I, I don't think either of those are the answer. So he's protecting his fullbacks. Essentially, you protect your fullbacks. Yeah. You know, you play two centre midfielders. You play two banks of four, sort of thing. You know, if you start playing Wolf and Townsend further up, like we saw last year, you know. Um, you pack maybe the midfield three, in, but I don't think the likes of Kabai has got the legs anymore to cover the well, fullback. He came off early tonight as well, didn't he? So. Uh, you know, and it was quite upsetting to see that he just looks so, just lap off the yeah. ball, whereas he was so influential, especially last year under Allardyce. He just read the game so well, his interceptions. And in the first half, he was just diving in, trying to get him to anything. And, you know, yeah. I think that's Kabai losing that half a yard and... You know, have we got replacements sorted out for him? Because I don't think he'll be here at the end of the season. His contract's up in the summer. Um, let's hear from Roy. This is what Roy said to reporters at half time. A half time? At full time after today's game here at Celeste. Yeah, I mean, the first half I thought that Arsenal certainly deserved to go in 1 0 up. They asked a lot, a lot of questions of us, and our attacking play wasn't as 
sharp as we'd have liked it to have been and we didn't pressurise them as well as they were pressurising us which of course is a recipe for disaster when you're playing against teams of Arsenal's quality. I thought second half we remedied that and started the second half very well and when we equalised I honestly believe we were on the front foot then and, and were, were looking good value and, and possibly looking as if we we might kick on from there but we conceded two goals especially the second one which was a a body blow for us and after that I thought the players showed great resilience great determination to in no way capitulate and to continue to fight and try and take the game to Arsenal risking the counter-attack which was always going to be a possibility when you you throw players forward like we were doing um, and in doing so I thought we created chances and I thought the second goal was probably uh, a reward for that effort but it came late the goal and unfortunately we, we didn't have the the chance to, to get the third which maybe had the goal come earlier um, we might have been able to do Obviously he was riled up at half time did you expect that sort of response to him when he really took charge of the game? I think he felt hard done by in the first half you know he was bundled over once or twice um, difficult for a manager to really make sensible judgments on whether the referee got it right or whether he had a, a case. Um, we're talking about one of the best referees in the country, uh, someone that I certainly very much respect. I, I wasn't creating as much fuss for those situations as, as Wilf was, of course, but then I, I wasn't the one being bundled over. But uh, he did very well, I think, to calm himself down during the half-time interval and to make certain that in the second half any frustration, any problems that he might have felt or any injustices he might have felt, he channeled that into his performance and I thought that you know he really did cause them a lot of problems and a lot of the chances and half-chances we were creating during that second half were with him, if you like, at the at the centre of it. We all know that Wilf was you know, passionate about the game, but he was very lucky, he might have been lucky to come out second half because when he was booked, he then applauded the referee, another referee might have sent him off right. another day. I didn't see that, I'm afraid. You know, these are the type of things that when you're a manager, you're watching so many things and you don't focus necessarily your attention when he when he was booked I was already looking to see what the rest of our team were doing in terms of defending the free kick um, but you know once again with you know, Michael Oliver is a top class referee he, he doesn't want to send people off for those things and I'm always quite amazed these days when I see games analysed that everything seems to feature or, 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 or to to centre around why wasn't this done? Why did this player not get sent off? Why, why was that foul not punished, etc., etc.? When you're involved in the game like we are as managers and coaches, players and referees, lots of things go on really and I think sometimes you need to take a more global view of the situation and I'm pretty sure Michael Oliver in that situation realised that, OK, he's very frustrated, um, 
and he preferred to keep the game flowing and not necessarily to uh, administer, as you would possibly have liked, a letter of the law, because unfortunately if we keep administering every letter of the law, we're going to end up playing five-a-side football fairly soon. There's no question of that. Especially now when, when cameras pick up things which no one else has seen with their seven or eight different angles. So, you know, I think the five-a-side football is not far around the corner and then all of you can be quite happy that you've spotted it and the referee has, has followed the letter of the law as laid down by the various interpretations that we have today. Thank you. Hey, um, Roy, if it's okay to talk about Man City now. Yes, um, please do. Right, um, can you just give us an update on any knocks tonight or Joel Ward or anything? <coughs> well, we have loads. I mean, there's no question that this this is the time of year. We, we had the time between the Swansea game and this one to try and recover one or two players. And luckily we did because it meant we could put what I thought was a a strong team out from the from the offset, but there's no doubt that when I see the players tomorrow and we, we, we do a light training session on Saturday, there's going to be several I would think that will be doubtful because of knocks that they've been carrying and not necessarily serious injuries, but injuries which are sufficient to possibly keep them out of the game. And of course, we've also got a, a lot of players who are feeling it. Uh, an element of fatigue, and that's not going to be helped by the fact that we play Southampton one day after. You know, we, we've been unluckily drawn this year to play Sunday, Tuesday. And that's a tough ask for any team, and for a club like ours and a team like ours where the squad is not enormous, you know, we don't have the level, if you like, of experience on the bench that some and depth that some teams have for us to be able to get a team playing A, three, three games in five or six games, but in particular two games in two days, that's going to stretch us to the limit. Of course, when you played Man City, it was a few, few weeks into your had to make your career, called it baptism of fire. Hmm. One nil at half-time, last-minute goal in the end of the first half. Um, how have Man City progressed since then? And, and is it the same? Well, they scored five, didn't they? So I, suppose, <laughs> I don't know if they progressed or, or not progressed. Uh, in, in any in any different way, they they seem to score four or five against lots of teams, especially the teams who are not the teams immediately around them, or or the teams that you know really just set out not to allow them to score. Any team that actually tries to go toe to toe with them and actually attack when they have the ball and defend when they haven't got the ball runs the risk of conceding goals because they they're doing it to everybody. But we we have. The players we have, and we think those players are best suited to play the way that we are trying to play. So we won't have much option, I'm afraid, other than to try and do against them what we've tried to do against the Arsenal today, which might make it an entertaining game for the neutral, but it could make it a tough game for us because uh, they have such quality in the middle and final thirds of the field and they, they work so hard themselves to win the ball back that we're going to face another task like the one we face tonight and all I can hope is that we can give it at least as good a, a go as we gave it this evening. I have a question for me, Roy, about that's it. Thank you. Um, the club official Twitter account tonight for Palace said it was the, the biggest attendance at Selhurst since promotion in 2013. Fantastic. How important is, is the, a repeat of that and the atmosphere 
going to be on Sunday. Of course, it's not under the floodlights, but uh, mm. it's, it's an early kickoff. Thank you. Well, I'm pleased to hear that. I mean, I didn't obviously that's information I didn't have before I came here. It's always nice when people are, are coming to watch us play. I would like to think that the way we finished the game and the way we approached the second half, we haven't sent our fans away too unhappy, although everyone's always unhappy when the result goes against you. But I think our fans are realistic. I think they know that we're doing the very best we can. They also know that when you come across teams like Arsenal and Man City, be it home or away, you know, you, you, you've got your work cut out because of the quality that they have in their team and the depth of quality they have in their team. So I hope that they'll, they'll all come back on, on Sunday, they'll all support us in the same way and all I can promise them is that we'll put out the very best team we can put out onto the field and those 11 who play will be really doing their level best not to accept that we're at the bottom and Man City at the top, but that we're both premiership teams. We both have got pride in our performance. And if, they, if they're going to beat us, they'll have to play as well as the Arsenal did tonight. Well, you've been in the game for 50 years now. Have you come across a team like City who dominated lightly? I mean, 18 wins in a row yeah, I wasn't actually in the country when uh, Arsene and Arsenal did it, of course, you know, with their 49 games unbeaten and their their 38-game league season unbeaten. I mean, I, I know that team, I know the players in that team, I watched that team play, but I wasn't in the country at the time when it happened. Um, so we have seen it in England before, there's no question there. We've seen wonderful Arsenal teams that have done that, we've seen wonderful Manchester United teams. We've seen very strong Chelsea teams that have dominated the league. Uh, and now we're seeing a very strong Manchester City one. And uh, I think that like those previous good teams, managed by Arsene, managed by uh, Alex Ferguson, the Chelsea team managed, amongst others, by, by Jose Mourinho, the managers of those teams don't seem to want to let up in any way. They don't seem to have that desire to take their foot off the pedal and just accept, well, let's just cruise and roll downhill to a victory and uh, a championship. They all seem very, very determined that they won't give any quarter or any... Uh, they won't spare anybody, just like Arsenal didn't spare us tonight. I was rather hoping that Jack Wilshere might decided to have a poor game because I think he owes me that but uh, he did decide to play as well as he did and I think that'll happen against Man City too. Is it okay? Good, thank you. Extra here at Sellers Park where Palace have lost 3-2 to Arsenal ending that eight game unbeaten run this pod is sponsored by <laughs> Miranda Jane Photography for professional unique photography of weddings and more go to mirandajanephotography.co.uk and I'm joined by Lucy White from Homestead Radio Hello, JD. <laughs> Hello. And uh, Skippy Windsor who told me before the pod that you had a Brexit joke well, or reference it wasn't so much that I think one thing you need to look at is Michael Oliver as a referee and I don't want to <laughs> Do we have to? It's one of those things that you want a referee to have some sort of kind of 
leadership, you know, so he's running the game sort of thing. And you know, asking Michael Oliver to, you know, become a Premier League referee is like asking the Chuckle Brothers to run with Brexit negotiations. He's got, I he's got where they might going. do a better job though. Understanding, <laughs> he's got no, you know, he let, and you know, this is me actually kind of criticising Zaha. He let Zaha abuse him, sort of thing. You're the referee. You're running the game, you know. Didn't he book him at half-time? At half-time, after Zaha basically went up to him and had full-blown abused him. He did it two or three times. And you could see that he'd kind of lost all kind of standing with the players because Wilshire realised, that actually, every time I go near Zaha, I can fall over now. And you're just like... I'm not saying the referee was to blame for our defeat, but you want a bit of consistency. There was a lot of decisions, Lucy, in that second half where when Palace players went down, they didn't get decisions, but if it had been Arsenal players, it would have been a free kick. And we, that happens a lot to us down here, doesn't it? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. And the inconsistency with all the refs across all the games that we've had, I mean, there's been some that has gone our way. But Martin Atkinson at Leicester. That's yes, the only one in recent times. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the standards they're dropping, you know. And you look at them and they don't, Look like they control and have him. You look back, you know, maybe 10 15 years ago, um, Kalina, Graham Pohl, even Howard Webb. I know people obviously laugh about him being his Man United reference, but if you got on the wrong side of him, you knew it, sort of thing, and you've got to stand turning off. But even our favourite friend, Clattenburg, you know, what are they all doing? What are they all doing? Like, like Billy Bowden when he's umpiring at cricket, you want to watch the referee because it's all about them rather than the game, sort of thing. And I felt myself drawn to Michael Oliver seeing, you know, whether he had a stupid tram lines in his hair, he's got still still got some silly kind of haircut sort of thing. But you're a referee; you're meant to be anonymous. And then when you need to take charge, you take charge. We've got celeb refs these days, haven't we? It is. Yeah. Is that yeah. Yeah. It is, and it, it's just so frustrating when you do see a genuine foul. So yeah. Okay. So sometimes they might, you know, do a cheeky little fall over or whatever. But when it's a genuine foul, and you, it, go, it should go our way, and it doesn't, and then two two seconds later, the same thing happens, and they get the decision. It's like. God's sake, yeah, and there's no consistency, and I, and I do think that the FA need to take a serious look at our officials and their training, and, and bring back in the old school refs that aren't doing anything now, that, that can say, you should be doing this, well, yeah, probably earning a lot more like than, than they were. Exactly. Well, you're kind of getting all this investment from Premier League money and all of that, and the FA is obviously making a fair whack out of it, bring them in, pay them a fair whack and teach them how to, you know, because you look at Sky Sports every Monday morning, all it is is a, let's criticise the refs yeah. with Dermot Gallagher or Graham Pohl uh, and highlight what they did wrong but to be fair I refereed my Sunday team once when I was younger it is difficult like it is difficult I need the big big bucks to do this sort of thing you know if someone paid me the Monday on to run around for 90 minutes and tell people off I'd snap their hand (laughs) you'd be good at it yeah resignation letters written already Uh, okay, so that does it. It ends Palace's eight-game unbeaten run, Lucy, and we're still on 18 points now, still I think, as we are. Still at relegation zone. It's not been a bad Christmas, has it, really? I know yeah. like we lost tonight, but it's been, considering where we were at the start of the season, it's been all right, hasn't it? Yeah, halfway through the season now, you know, sort of, you know, far better position than we'd ever anticipated. And considering we lost, was that first seven games? Yeah. It's like, actually, we're doing all right. And I'm, I'm still pretty confident that we will stay up and... You know, spend the bucks in January, get some players in, sort it all out. Be fine, no problem. <laughs> I think the fact, Skippy, that we're even, we're even talking like this now after those first seven games is, is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think, you know, going into January, if you'd asked me perhaps even after the Newcastle game, how do you think I would 
approach January, I think I would say, right, let's buy players that will get us out of the championship next year. I think that was the approach we were going to have to go for. Um, the results have gone such a way that actually, no, I'm thinking, right, let's get a striker that will keep us up. Let's get a goalkeeper that maybe keep us up. Let's look at depth on the wing, depth at fullback sort of thing to keep us up. Sort of. And, it, you know, all it is taking in those sort of results and other teams around us that, you know, like Roy said, getting ourselves into that group again. You know, like we've had done, and then you just got to trust the players you've got and the reinforcements you've got to do the job. That was the hardest part: is to then drag yourself up. We're now in a position that it's just going to be a straightforward relegation fight now, if there is such a thing. But you know what? I'm, you know, well, which we are used to. Yeah, you know, this isn't going to be a Derby County where you know we're already miles off behind the pack and it's going to be impossible, or we're going to take a Wigan or a Sunderland miracle, and the time's going to run out. We have got ourselves into position between graft, you know, work on the training pitch, self belief in the players that we're at a point now. We can go into the January transfer market like we did last year and go, look, we can spend some money because if you play well and you gel with the team, there's a high chance that you're going to be playing in the Premier League next season. Well, you should be gaffing, mate. I feel, I feel reinvigorated after that team talk. Well, when Hodgson leaves in the summer, I might be moving forward. <laughs> Good stuff. OK, let's wrap it up there. Uh, Lucy, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful. And Skippy, thanks for being back on the pod. Thank you. I hope you had both a good Christmases. Was it all right? Yes, it was good. Thank you. Any yeah. palace-related gift? Um, I had... Uh, Crystal Palace calendar, Crystal Palace cola bottles and Crystal Palace bar of chocolate. <laughs> you did well. I got some Crystal Palace tracksuit bottoms, but I didn't get the Crystal's calendar that I really wanted. Uh, never mind. Oh. Next year. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. There'll be a full pod uh, very soon in the next couple of days and one more after Man City, I think. But just keep checking on the FYP social for all that. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again soon. Bye. Podcast Network.